Hey y'all and welcome to the latest episode of Where All the Ladies at a history podcast that takes a look at the women in history and where the fuck they went. I'm your host, the ever effervescent and always stumbling over her words history nerd Kim and I'm so glad to have you guys back here. This month we are celebrating Black History Month by looking at women of color that impacted the world and I tried as hard as I could to do women that you may not have known, but today it's inevitable. We had to talk about one woman that just is in every history book, but I don't think the history books give her enough credit or really look at her life in general. And that is the freedom trailblazer Harriet Tubman. She is, you know, we all have heard about her. Like, history, whenever you look at the Civil War, or at least in the U.S., whenever you look at the Civil War, that is part of the, the story, right? The Underground Railroad is one of the biggest things that you talk about when it comes to the the world changing at that time. You know, Tubman, and Tubman is one of the biggest names that you hear you know there's not a lot of time given to them the people of color that fought for this and only certain people get like any acknowledgement at all and that in and of itself is sad uh, but i did feel like it was a necessity to really talk about harriet tubman and her indomitable spirit and courage and just her dedication to abolishing slavery and helping people find like freedom and be able to really start the life and build a life that they dreamt of, you know, and that is beautiful. But before we dive into the podcast today, as usual, we do have to do a little housekeeping, and that is this. If you like what you hear and you'd like more or whatever, you can always support the podcast through the links in my description box, as well as liking, commenting, sharing, reviewing. All these things are amazing ways to support the podcast because the more reviews I get, the more shares I get, the better the algorithm will pick me up and push me out to potential new people so that we can build our community of people who just really want to support women's contributions to history and really give them their dues back like give them their dues just in general so if that's something you're in for please review this please share it please do whatever you can I would greatly appreciate it and if you want to reach out to me and talk to me and discuss things you have ideas or women that I you know I maybe I don't know about I would love that too you can always reach out to me on my socials or through email those are in the description box below we will of course talk about this at the end of the podcast again a little more in depth because in the end, what we're here to do is talk about where all the ladies at, and that is what we're about to start doing. But before we do that, as always, we have to look at where the world was, especially in regards to the woman we're talking about and what it was like for her and women like her to live at that time. And through this whole thing, you're gonna, it's gonna seem kind of repetitive, I think, because we are thinking looking at a couple women from the US, like da 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 da, and it's all gonna have the same context. But I, I feel that, you know, if you're someone who hasn't listened to the previous episodes, you may not understand what was going on in the world at that time or have a really good grasp of everything. Like you might know some things, but understanding 
the big things will help you understand what this woman was fighting against and why she was so amazing, why she was so courageous, and why after so many decades and centuries, really, this woman is still looked at as a icon, as a person who just did amazing things. She brought so much into the world. So let's start with what the U.S. was like at that time. We all know that at this time uh, when she was born, that African Americans at that time were all living in bondage. And slavery, especially in the South, Southern states, was very entrenched in the lifestyle and functionality of the country itself. And those slaves, on most occasions, I can't say everyone, but on 99% of the occasions, were all relegated to having harsh lives. They lived in harsh conditions. There was brutal treatment and there was constant denial of the basic human rights we all deserve. And this was because at this time, those individuals who owned them looked at them as property. That is so sick. I'm so passionate about this. Like it is, you know, maybe I haven't gotten as fired up. I'm starting to feel more comfortable with really talking about like how I feel. And that, the fact that there was a time and honestly i'm sure in some more parts of the world this still happens and with some religions and some whatever that there's people that look at people and say you are not a human you are property is disgusting end all be all done and a lot of people felt that way and that's why the things that were about to happen were changing for the better yes not for the best if i i think that's the way to say it on top of this that there was also something called the underground railroad which was primarily what harriet tubman is known for and this was people who despite the oppressive system of slavery wanted to help those people find ways to get those basic human rights. And the way they did that was they created a network of secret routes and safe houses that could move them from the South to the North where at that time blacks were were free. And so if you were seeking freedom, these African-Americans would move and, and put themselves in peril every day because they just wanted to live a life where they felt like a human. And these routes were guided by conductors like Harriet Tubman, and they risked their lives in order to help those freed slave, those slaves move to free states or even to Canada, which was something that really wasn't covered. I don't think I didn't in my Civil War part of my history book. They covered the Underground Railroad, but I don't think they ever talked about the fact they actually helped them get to Canada too. That's a very long trip and very full of a lot of danger. And that makes this story even more amazing. And as with the Underground Railroad, there was an abolitionist movement that was building. You know, it was really advocating for the immediate emancipation of slaves. This is all stuff that's rolling together that's going to cause the the initial the initial sparks that light that civil war that happens in 1861. There were big name figures that were really getting the word out. People like Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Beecher Stowe, all of these individuals played big roles in raising awareness about this disgusting, just ridiculous thought process. And that they're they're almost like their celebrity really galvanized the support for the cause. It brought them into the forefront where like it was like everybody was talking about it. And then in 1857, 
there was the Dred Scott v. Sanford decision. And this declared that African Americans, whether they were enslaved or free, could not be considered American citizens. And this was yet another, like, just throwing kindling on fire, right? This exacerbated the tensions between the North and the South. And this really helped ignite that flame even more to lead towards the Civil War. So in 1861, the South decided they were going to secede from the Union because they wanted to be their own country. Present, And this is what led to the four-year war that devastated people, devastated everyone. And it was, yes, look, if you, if you talk to, depends on the story you talk to, there were a lot of mitigating factors that led to the South deciding that they wanted to be their own country. In the end, the biggest was slavery. There were other little things, but slavery was the primary reason why the South wanted to be its own thing. Because they didn't want their slaves freed. That was the that was it. But in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln, he did the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared slaves in Confederate states were free because the South was not its own country yet. The president still had the right to do that. And it's 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 very interesting because for a long time when people thought of the Civil War, they didn't think about African-Americans fighting in it. But the truth is there were a lot of African-Americans who fought in the war that contributed to the fact that the Union ended up winning. And they do not get enough focus or credit for fighting for their freedoms and for their people's freedoms, not only as an American, but as an African-American. And at that time, they weren't called African-Americans, but that that's, that's the truth. These people were Americans. Most of them were born here. They had, they should have had the same rights as those people born here. And that is what the Emancipation Proclamation began having, uh, began the wheels turning towards. It was by no means the, <laughs> the final step that had to be taken. And it would definitely not, the end of the Civil War would definitely not end the problem completely. All it did was allow for them to have freedom and not be owned. There was so much more to come or needed to come after that one thing before African Americans had a, a normal, like just a regular life. They had the same life as every other American. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. There was so much more that needed to come, but it was a big part. Now, after the Civil War came the Reconstruction Era, and this this Reconstruction Era caused a lot of problems, right? So I know I'm I'm really like spending a lot of time on this, but I it, it's so vital to understand everything. With the Reconstruction Era, the South had to uh, rebuild because it was devastated, right? And it also had to address how freed slaves were going to fit into that economy. Unfortunately because the situation may have changed but the mindset had not Jim Crow and black code laws began to emerge these were discriminatory laws that kept the races segregated and and kept the white 
southern men primarily in a place where they still felt hold themselves higher than the African Americans at that time. Tons of inequality, tons of segregation, still a huge problem. In 1865, as the war came to end, the 13th Amendment was ratified. It became official that slavery was abolished in the United States. It was no longer okay. This was a significant milestone, but it was not, it did not mean immediate guarantee of equal rights or protection for those newly freed African Americans. As I said, with the Reconstruction era that came after this, there was plenty of opportunity for those white bastards down in the South. And I'm from the South, guys, so don't come at me. But that's the truth. They used it to keep those the, the African-Americans segregated and, and a lesser... Uh, looked at as lesser. It's not right, and it wasn't great. Um, when the freed slaves became, they were freed, they became sharecroppers. And then this became this whole situation where they were trapped in debt and poverty because there was economic challenges that persisted. It, it and then focused on them and led to African-Americans not able to really achieve like real economic independence and prosperity. And that, so in an essence, they were still slaves to the economy and the people that ran it. So it, they they were freed, but not really, you know? There was a lot of challenges, of course, but one thing that came out of this, which is, is awesome, is the uh, 1800s saw a lot of establishment of schools that were educationally initiative for African-Americans. Uh, historic black colleges emerged and they began to lay a foundation for these newly freed individuals to really get better education and build their lives. And all of this kind of led to the civil rights struggles in the 20th century, right? So they were able to get education, they had certain rights, they could do X, Y, and Z, but they still weren't able to do a lot of things. So activists and leaders began emerging and laying groundwork for the civil rights movement at this time. And Thankfully, they did. And all this kind of snowballed eventually, you know, the civil rights movement, and there were much more advancements. But even still with that, I, and, and I say this now as someone who is from the U.S., even with those advancements, there is still a long way to go, like really a long way to go. It's not only should we learn about more historical things, but there's advancements that need to happen in the way we think and the way we treat individuals there's still there's still economic disparity there's still educational disparity there's still uh, payment this there's still there's still you know there is still racism running rampant and there's still a long way to go it we've come a long way but there's still a long way to go that's kind of what it was like for, uh, like, what was going on at that time at, during Harriet Tubman's life. And when looking at it through a, a lens, through a woman's lens, and looking at it through, a, particularly, a woman of color's lens, it, it gets gets even worse. I, I hate to say that, but that is really the truth. You know, there were a lot of factors that were against women of color at this time. You know, it, it region, social status, your individual circumstances, all this stuff. You know, many black women were enslaved. Eh? They subjected 
They were subjected to horrible brutalities, forced labor, physical abuse, sexual exploitation. You know, they were denied even more basic human rights than I'd say even the guys. Not that the guys had it great, but they were perpetrated on in other ways. And I'm sure some guys were perpetrated the same way, but right now we're talking about women. And the truth is, even their families could be torn apart. They could be sold to another family and have to leave their family. Like, there's this whole, you know, their families were torn apart because of the slave trade. And whether enslaved or freed, there was economic hardship to be had, right? So there were in the North places where African Americans were freed, and they still suffered economic hardships. Now, you know, those that were enslaved, they worked under harsh conditions on plantations, and free black women, they had limited employment opportunities. They were often relegated to crappy paying jobs like domestic work, so nannies, cooks, all the things that, you know, white people didn't want to do for them damn selves. It's ridiculous. But even with those harsh circumstances, these women were just strong. They stood their ground. They they had so much resilience. They fought back so hard. They formed these communities. They relied on each other for support. And this really helped create this like sustainable family and community life that just was amazing. Black women were very active participants in the Underground Railroad. Be They risked their lives to guide others to freedom. You know, women like Harriet Tubman, they found themselves in these roles where they became these legends, these icons. And for a good reason, black women even participated in the abolitionist movement in order to advocate for freedom of the slavery. They they fought for women's suffrage and they looked to gain momentum, especially in the later part of the century. Women like Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells, they were all part of the abolitionist and suffragist causes. So not only were they fighting to be treated like humans as African-Americans, but they were fighting to be treated as humans as women in general, you know? Black women, they had to really navigate societal expectations. You know, there were gender roles. All women had them. Um, and that, unfortunately, sometimes that was very challenge and challenging those within their community, too. Like, it wasn't just like they were fighting outside. They were fighting inside, too. They, they wanted racial and gender equality. And this kind of led, helped lead that groundwork for those later activists during the civil rights movements and the feminist movement. I want to repeat that. Like a lot of times we focus on the civil rights aspect, which is vitally important, but women of color played a huge role in feminist movements and also in the LGBTQIA rights movement. So they were very active because they just want everybody to be treated like a human. Education wise, you know, limited opportunities, women in general, but black women for sure but a lot of women did look to get education and wanted to become teachers they wanted to involve themselves in the community educational services uh, so institutions like Oberlin College in Ohio and Spelman College in Georgia these were both pioneers in providing education for black women which was a paramount at the time it needed to happen uh they black women also played significant roles in religious and community leadership they they were in head of churches and community organizations and these places provided spaces where they could really it's it's one of the places where they could exude the most influence and contribute to the social and spiritual building of their communities which is so vital legal protection for black women were not existent in most regions enslaved women were particularly vulnerable especially them to sexual exploitation 
Union and legal systems did not address this issue. They, you know, they were still enslaved, so they were looked at as nothing more than property. And again, disgusting. Uh, but as the century proceeded on, uh, more black women got involved in activism and advocacy, and they really spoke out against those racial and gender injustices, like I said, and that laid a huge solid foundation for social and political movements in the 20th century. And that's what it was like for women of color at this time. They were fighting for the simple rights to just be humans on two fronts. And that is both amazing and sad that it had to be done. You know, it, it just is. Yeah. So that being said, let's, this one, guys, I'm sorry, it's going to run a little bit longer and it could be just because, you know, I'm, I'm being overly passionate about this but I really felt some of the things I said before needed to be said. We're going to jump into Harriet Tubman's life now and really discuss the woman who, I mean, we all kind of know about, but I wonder if we really do, you know? Uh, Harriet Tubman was born in 1820 in Dorchester County, Maryland. She was born into slavery. Her original name was Arminta. Araminta Minty Ross and she like every other person born into slavery had to endure a lot of hardships from a very early age she faced physical abuse and was hired out to various households so she was torn from her family at some point she wound up with a severe head injury uh, at the hands of one of her overseers and some say this is what caused like uh, her to have vivid dreams and visions later in life uh, and uh, you know, she attributed those as kind of religious revelations. In 1849, she wanted to be free. So Harriet made a dash, a daring escape from slavery in 1849. She left her family behind and she used the stars and guided herself towards the north. And she found the Underground Railroad. Eventually she reached Pennsylvania, which was a free state. And she, this marked the beginning of her extraordinary journey. She felt if she could do it, she wanted to be able to help others do it. In the 1850s, she became known as Moses of her people. She was one of the most fearless conductors of the Underground Railroad. She returned to the South so many times. She slid over a dozen expeditions. She helped around 70 or more enslaved people escape to the freedom. You know, she was really well known for being very stealthy and ingenuitive in avoiding the slave catchers. And this really earned her like her reputation as a pretty unyielding abolitionist. But the war was about to start. So when the Civil War erupted, she became even more pivotal, especially in the Union's cause. Uh, she started working as a nurse and a cook, but eventually would wind up being a spy and a scout. She had a very deep knowledge of the southern terrain because she had went on so many expeditions, and this really helped Union military strategies because they could utilize that knowledge to outwit the southern uh, the southern soldiers. After the war was done, she continued really fighting for uh, rights for the freed slaves, and she supported the establishment of schools for African-American children. Uh, she worked along suffragists like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and she really started to fight for women's rights too, especially the right to vote. From the late 1900s, Harriet really struggled financially. She still remained very devoted to her charitable work. Uh, she had a pension from her service during the Civil War, and she just had the spirit that just wouldn't die. On March 10th, 1913 though, she did pass away. And she passed away surrounded by friends and family, and that's the way I think she probably would have wanted to go. I think that's the way all of us want to go at some point, right? Like, it, it just is. Or most of us, I'm sure there's others that have other ideas. The thing that comes from this is 
just that her her legacy is so monumental. She had so much courage and determination, and she was so selfless in the face of all that adversity. And that left a mark on American history, which is why even though they don't dive into her a lot, she's still mentioned in every history class you take. And even in 2020, Harriet Tubman actually got a, a big announcement and it's, she is going to be the face of the US $20 bill, which is amazing. She will be uh, the first woman on paper money, I believe, in the US. Uh, we have the Susan B. Anthony coin, but uh, I think she's the first one on a bill. And it just shows how much she's significant to American history and in general, just history in general. And yeah, she's such an amazing lady. Like I think there's so much more probably could have gone into. and. It's, there, there's just so much, but I am trying to keep these down. This one's going to run a little bit longer, but she's so fascinating and such a, like, spirit. Like, she just stood up against so much. It's so amazing. Anyways, so that is Harriet Tubman. What a life, right? We covered a lot about what she went through and did, but I, I wanted to do a little bit more. So here are the fascinating five facts. So I did mention she had a head injury earlier in life that caused her to have like dreams and visions. She she did. She experienced, that was a life-altering event. She was actually in a coma for several weeks after she got beaten by her overseer to that level. And after she recovered, she began having super vivid dreams, very powerful visions. And of course, at that time she was ultra religious. So she, she, she marked them as religious visions. And that mystical experience became a guiding force in her life. This is what influenced every decision and action she made. And that includes her escape from slavery and her work with the Underground Railroad. Uh, during the Civil War, I kind of hinted at it. She had, she helped the Union by extending herself past her basic role. She was a military strategist. She used her knowledge to help the Union execute raids. She even guided Union forces along waterways and through enemy territory. And she contributed to some pretty successful military campaigns. Her ability to do that, gather intelligence and navigate complex is what made her that valuable union asset, right? In addition to strangers, she actually helped her own family escape slavery. During her numerous trips back and forth to the South, she managed to bring her parents, uh, several siblings, other relatives to freedom with her. She was committed to her family's liberation, and that was a very deeply personal and integral aspect of her work with the Underground Railroad. Yes, she was there to help other people, but she also wanted to be with her family, which makes sense, right? Harriet's own escape from slavery kind of involved this unique legal strategy. I think it's very interesting. So in Maryland, she was technically a slave, but when she reached the free state of Pennsylvania, she was legally free. But the Fugitive Slave Act posed always posed a constant threat. There was this act where like, if you found a fugitive slave, you have to return them and it could be very bad for them because this allowed slave catchers to capture them and return them to the the people. So even if they were in a free state, it could happen. Uh, so in order to evade this, Tubman adopted the name Harriet Tubman. And so this is how she kept being free because when they were looking, they were looking for the name given them on the document and it didn't match what she was saying it was. So that's how she came up with it. That's how she got to be known as Harriet Tubman was all so that she could evade being captured. So awesome. Like really super, you know. After the Civil War, I talked, she went into advocacy work, right? She really freed slaves, of course, especially in healthcare and education. 
these were the areas she specifically championed rights for those individuals in. She really worked really hard to get schools for American, African American children open and hospitals too. It's, her efforts in healthcare were driven by her own experience as a nurse during the war. She was a nurse and she understood the importance of accessible medical care for all. You know, I think that's something that there's a lot of people in the U.S. could learn from right now. Because here's this woman who came from nothing, was a slave, was treated horribly, and the only thing she knew was that everybody deserved to be treated like a human and everybody deserved medical care. Isn't that a crazy thought? I don't know. Maybe somebody should pay attention to that. All right, guys, that is Harriet Tubman, and uh, what an amazing lady. I'm just saying, guys, not trying to get political, just throwing that out there into the universe to see if anybody is paying attention. Uh, and that's it, guys. That's Harriet Tubman. What an amazing woman. You know, I think we... Especially in the U.S., we learn basics, uh, but I think there's so much more to learn. So if this really uh, interested you, I'll make sure I leave some resources in the description box for you to check out more about Harriet Tubman. Uh, they will be Amazon links, so if you want to support, click on them. Buy some stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, and that's it. Like I said, guys, so as always, if you want to support the podcast, there are links to my Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon in the description box. Uh, click on them. Say hello. You know. Do what you can uh, or click on the Amazon links. Those are always good. We're always shopping on Amazon, right? So just, just a little note and uh, like, review, share, please. Uh, that's much appreciated and one of the best ways you can help support the podcast itself. Uh, if you want to chat with me, talk with me, yell at me about things I said in this podcast, uh, you have a differing opinion, that's cool. Let's discuss respectfully. Uh, and if that's the case, you can... Uh, Message me over on Instagram or any of the social medias down below or shoot me an email. Either way it goes, I'll respond for sure. And uh, that's it, guys, for this week. Come back next week. Make sure also, guys, you are checking out my Myth Edition that comes out on Mondays. We're still looking into the Women of the Odyssey. And then this next podcast for this one will be released next Thursday. So check that out as well. And uh, once again, guys, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for letting me ramble about all this history shit that I love so much. And uh, until next week, guys, see ya!